Inside this envelope is my card and the key that unlocks the dome of the button unit. Fits into this slot in the side, like so. In this way, you can push the button. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And this time we are going to be talking about something in short fiction, namely Button Button by Richard Matheson, which is a 1970 short story published in Playboy, right? Published in Playboy. Yes. And it was later adapted to not the classic Twilight Zone, but the 80s revival, 1986. We just looked it up, uh, adapted into an episode titled Button Button, but not written by Richard Matheson. He was... Actually, it was written by Richard Matheson. Oh, he wrote a teleplay for it? He wrote the teleplay, but he... Oh, we'll, we'll get to that part. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the credits for that. Um, and then there was a subsequent 2009 film called The Box with James Marsden and Cameron Diaz and Frank Langella. Cyclops. Cyclops, yes. Yeah. And Dracula and... Uh, Cyclops and What About Mary? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so we'll be talking about all of that this time. So, any previous history with this material? No. Nope. None whatsoever? Neither of you had read it before we went to do it? Had not read it. Nope. Okay. Although, when in the 80s, we my family watched The Twilight Zone together, mm-hmm. and so I probably saw the episode, Okay, have, had no recollection. Right. This this is the most indelible Twilight Zone episode of my life. Really? Yeah, this is the the one that I remembered. Why? Um, well, there's there's a couple that I remember. <laughs> there's, there's another one from the classic series where a guy makes a deal with the devil to be... Immortal. immortal yeah. yeah and then ends up accidentally yeah. shoving his wife off the roof and then he's like let's give the electric chair a little whirl <laughs> so, <laughs> I, re- I remember that oh, one. oh yeah, yeah yeah i remember that one yeah um <laughs> but you know we didn't really watch the the classic show every now and then we'd watch it and so i remember a few of those episodes but most that i remember are from the 80s even though this is really the only one that i really really remember just because of the stinger ending on it that i yeah. was loved ah. so Okay. So yeah, I read the story some time ago. I got the best of Richard Matheson on my nook, and I, I'm pretty sure I read the whole thing. Um, and so, lots of previous history for me, but none of us had seen the box, right? No. Okay. And now I know why. I would remember why. <laughs> right. I would remember that. <laughs> I, I remember it coming out. So, you know, I, remembering, I remember that it was a thing, uh, but I thought, I'm not sure how you make a two-hour movie out of that concept. <laughs> and there is a way to do it, and we'll, we'll talk about it. But uh, why don't we talk about the story first? Uh, written by Richard Matheson, published mm-hmm. in 1970 in Playboy magazine. And all spoilers, by the way, because this story takes... How long did it take you to right. read on the toilet? Ten minutes ago? Ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was published in Playboy. Come on. <laughs> right. Which, you know, we only read for the articles. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all spoilers. So you, you want to give us a synopsis? Yeah. So the, the thing that tends to be common to all the stories is there's a couple in, in financial straits, and they uh, are offered the opportunity to press the button on a box. Mm-hmm. If you press the button, you will get some undisclosed amount of money. In the short yeah. story, it's $20,000 because it was written in 1970. And, no, uh, it's 50. It's 50? 50? It was That's 50, right. yeah. yeah. It's $50,000. Even less. Uh, the second thing that will happen is someone that you don't know will die. Right. And so it, it's a morality story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Moral dilemma. Yes. Uh, and in the short story, the, the, the majority of the story is the discussion... In Norma's head as she talks to herself, she's really the main character. Mm-hmm. The box is presented to her, not to her husband. Arthur. Arthur. And uh, then there's some dialogue back and forth between them about, you know, should we do yeah. this? And yeah, the, you know, he gets to play the box. The box is foil. presented to the house, I would say. It is, yeah. 
It's kind of just left on the doorstep. How do they know who's going to pick it up? Well, they discuss it as a fam- as a couple, right? right. Yeah. Arthur, Arthur and, and Norma yeah. do. But she's the one who gets the pitch, right? Or was True. it both of them? Now I don't remember. Well, in the Twilight film episode, it was her, because her husband wasn't home. He was at right. work. In... You just read the story. Yeah, in the short story, I guess it was still her, because Arthur just didn't care. <laughs> He's okay. very, like, non-presence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's the question, right? How do you weigh... One mm-hmm. life being taken versus this financial windfall. And so the thing that I love about the story is it's very metaphorically deep, right? You can you can tie it into almost anything, yeah. any any kind of small decision that you make that can affect other people that you don't know. I have a question here, a point yeah. that might be relevant, but might not be relevant. Mm-hmm. So we can pause here and you can cut this out if it's not. Okay. But now the, uh, the question was running in my, in my head, why, uh, why the woman, basically? And it's it's consistent throughout all the adaptations, right? Um, and I'm starting to remember, and I don't know if it's Mathis or somebody else, but didn't one of these guys like was an extreme misogynist or something like that, and mm. like always wrote either like picked on female characters or wrote extremely flimsy female characters or something like that. I don't know that that's the case with Matheson. Hmm. Okay, um, you know there are a lot of authors who who do who don't do much service to their female characters. Yeah, um, yeah. In you know his era, okay. I so I'm, I'm just wondering, like, but why you know why her? Why why not the man? Because especially in the '70s, you think it would be presented to the yeah. head of the household. Which, Are you checking the story, Colin? I'm checking to see if we know anything about Mr. Matheson, which is okay. not something that I did. You know, in a, in a quick skim of this, I'm not seeing anything about him being an extreme misogynist. Like I said, I might be remembering the wrong person. There was one thing that. Uh, struck me about this story. So uh, we should talk, go to the end. Okay. Uh, in the end, Norma pushes the button. Right. Mm-hmm. And she gets a phone call. And uh, it's the uh, it's her husband's work. He's died in an accident. Mm-hmm. And they're going to arrange for the insurance to be paid out, which will be in the sum of $50,000. Right. It'll right. pay out double because it's a $25,000 policy. Right. Right. And uh, then Steward comes back to the door. To collect it. To collect yeah. the, mm-hmm. the box. And he's like, did you really know you really your know husband? Yeah. yeah. I really and, like that ending. Yeah, that twist ending is phenomenal. <laughs> it's great. It's uh-huh. incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And when I read that, it immediately reminded me of the story from the Bible about Adam and Eve. Right. Yeah. Because the, the mm. woman is presented with temptation. She makes a decision. Uh, uh, clearly written by a yeah. man. Well, yeah. So it's all, I'm going to come back to that. Right. right? And then, you know, the, the man dies. She's going to die too someday too. Right. right. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, Arthur has several chances to get rid of the box. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think at one point he does throw out the box, but Norma goes and gets another one. Right. <laughs> right. So. Um, By the way, I did I did look. They're both present for Mr. Stewart being there. Yeah. So, okay. So, but yeah, it is it is Norma who pushes the button. Right. And yeah, I, I saw it as a kind well, of an I, I, I still think throughout the story, I got a sense that she was one being sold. Tempted on yeah. the box. Tempted yeah. and, and wearing yeah. pants. So right, <laughs> yeah, well, totally. The, yeah, the discussion that they have about, well, you know, what if it's someone who's going to die of cancer? What if it's our neighbors? You know, what if right. it's a, a, a newborn baby? What yeah. if it's this? What, what if, if it's, it's a death row inmate? What yeah. if it's a death row inmate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like in the Dark Knight, right? Those the people on that that boat or that uh, that ferry, they had their chance, right? They had their a bunch of prisoners. We should push the button, and I mean, it's it's straight out of. I mean, it's a classic moral dilemma, right? Yeah, right. And so. I was thinking of it in terms of... Only if you have morals. Only if you have morals. Yes, I guess that's true. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but like, you know, small little things that you do in your life that can affect other people and that you 
you don't see the negative effects of it, but that doesn't change the fact that there's there's some moral weight to that decision. And the most obvious mm-hmm. one today is vaccination, right? And, oh, my, and, yeah. and, you know, doing what you can do to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. And that's, that's the thing where I'm like, I would never want to be one of these people who refuse vaccinations, and then your child dies, and you can never tell yourself, I did everything that I could do to prevent that. And right. how would you live with that? I, didn't, I don't have any idea. And the, tragically, this has been happening. Yeah. Well, and the, here, here's the second level of tragedy. You could infect somebody yeah. that dies and never even know about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can infect someone who can infect someone else. And that, that's what, like early in the pandemic, there was a wedding where there, there were some 70 or 80 people there. Yep. And right. none of those people died, but people connected to them did. And, and yeah, so it's, you made this decision and now someone who you may not even know died mm-hmm. and you bear some responsibility for that, but you can even take it to, to other things. Like if, if you were a vegan, for instance, you might say, well, look, eating meat, you're causing suffering. And you know, I can, I can see that argument. So David, I, I hear you, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, well, why aren't you listening then? David Agronoff from Dickheads. Oh, uh, I, I have considered the vegetarian option and been vegetarian at various times. So, but yeah, lots of lots of little things that that you can do, or you know, driving a gas car or buying stuff from Amazon. Right? In theory, you can tell yourself, "Well, I'm providing a job for somebody." Well, sure, there's somebody who works at Amazon who's filling that order, but there might be somebody at a local business that you could be supporting if you didn't mm-hmm. buy it from Amazon. Yeah. So, decisions have consequences. So that's what I like about a good science fiction story. Is it like? It, like the movie said, right? The man in the mirror, who you need to look at. Yeah. Or a metaphor for voting. <laughs> you push, pushing the button and, and possibly, you know, yep. voting somebody in who's going to bomb a country into the Stone Age or enact terrible policies with regard to uh, pretending the pandemic doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Or encouraging people to drink bleach and put UV lights up their bums. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting that the character... That steward, the, the, that character name, mm-hmm. right, makes it sound like caretaker. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and and in various adaptations, I'm like, who who does he represent? Who who is he? You know, is is it a uh, spiritual thing? Is it is he a spiritual force like a demon or or representative of God or some higher power that's he's over- a steward of yeah. the box? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, in in every story, the box is disassembled, and inside. There's no wires, right. there's no circuitry, there's no nothing. Right. And so it's at some point, I think that gives people comfort that maybe nothing will happen. Right. And uh, that turns out not to be true. Right. Maybe there's a higher dimension going on. You can't see the circuitry because it's on a different plane. Oh, yeah, like dilithium crystals in the fourth dimension. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's all quantum. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, out, good, good out of phase. Yeah. Good story. Very short one. Yeah. Mm. Great stinger ending to it. Yeah, I love the twist. The ending is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else we need to talk about about that? I should mention no. that mm-hmm. on our last episode, we had some trouble with distortion on a couple of the microphones, and so I had to do some fancy editing to try and get around it. And there were still a couple of spots where, listener, you may have been like, what's wrong with my headphones? It wasn't your headphones. It was our recorder or something. And so this time, I actually do have a backup recording device that'll probably sound terrible. So if we sound awful, um, it's because I went with the backup <laughs> recording. It'll remind you of the early days of the podcast, back in season one, where we uh, forget geez. to plug in the microphones. Yep. Or the mixer. Or the mixer. We had the microphones all plugged in. Just didn't have the mixer plugged in. Yeesh. Yeah. Oh, oh. Those golden days of yore. Ah, yes. 
All right, should we move on to the Twilight Zone? Let's move on. So one of my problems lots of times when we do a Twilight Zone adaptation mm-hmm. is it's too canonical, and it bothers me. Um, because because it didn't uh, didn't add yeah. anything new, right? Um, <laughs> but it brought it to a visual medium. It brought it to a visual medium. It's not enough for me. We've, yeah. we've talked about Fair this, enough. right? That's this true. Is, I want I want more. I want something <laughs> different. So I do appreciate that this one is somewhat different. Original teleplay, evidently written by Richard Matheson, but the screen credit actually goes to his alias Logan, Logan Swanson. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mr. Matheson disagreed with the change in the yep. ending so much that he refused to have his name on it. All right. Yeah. Hmm. He hated it. Fascinating. <laughs> I think it's an interesting change, but I want to go back to this these, this idea of a, a highly canonical adaptation being bad. Uh-huh. It's not only visual, but the, the character, the, or the actor that plays Mr. Stewart, brings a certain thing to it. He does. So when we, this is something I got from Terry Brooks. Terry Brooks never tells people how to say the, the various names in his fantasy books. Mm. Um, and some of the words you know uh, because he pronounces them, but other times yeah. he doesn't. He deliberately avoids it because he wants it to be personalized. Hmm. And every time each one of us reads a story, we don't read the same. We read the same words, but we right. don't have the same Im- images and everything sure. else. Yeah. And the actor that plays Mr. Stewart in the Twilight Zone adaptation really brings. <laughs> oh, he's the, fantastic! Yeah, the, the <laughs> condescension, the alienness, the distancing to it. Mm-hmm. It's just. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And so I want you to step back on that and, and, and try well, to appreciate those things. Okay, let, let me say this, though. You're right. Every time anybody reads a story, it's very personal to them. And so a screen adaptation that's entirely canonical, that keeps all the same words, is still going to sound wrong to some people just because they had a different version of the story. Right. Yeah, um, but what you're experiencing is the director's or maybe the screenwriter's version of the right. story, right? Yeah, maybe. But if, but if they keep all the words the same. I'll, an example, uh, Odd Thomas, right? We all said Bodox, but the movie said Bodax. And yep. it bothered Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's uh, true. I remember it bothering us. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying, being I mean, it's, it's, still, it's still extremely subjective, obviously. It right? is, yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, obviously Colin and I are right, but it's still sub- it can still be subjective for you. I'm okay. There's with no that. question about that. <laughs> so anyhow, Twilight Zone episode mm-hmm. uh, stars Mayor Winningham and Brad Davis and the amazing and Basil Hoffman, who plays Mr. Stewart. I I was a little confused. I've never seen Brad Davis in anything else. I was wondering, is he really that much of a stutterer? Which in which case, I applaud the. Uh, oh, the people, um, the casting people who hired him. Mm-hmm. I assumed um, that was on purpose. I assumed it was on purpose okay. as well. Um, it's an interesting take on the character, I suppose. It makes him seem a little dithering. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think it lends to him. Uh, to me, it lends him an air of uh, incompetence. Yeah, right. Like he was not going to be the one. To yeah, he's definitely not going to be the one to stand up and make any decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and Mayor Winningham as the henpecking, condescending chain smoker. Yeah, she was. Chain smoker. Oh my goodness. Jeez, she was a terrible person. <laughs> I was watching it with Elaine last night, and she's like, "How many cigarettes are in that ashtray?" Like all of them. Well, and they were both smoking, yeah. and you yeah. know, he was drinking beer. Mm-hmm. And I love Dang. the portrayal Nicole. of that because of the of the new ending. Yes. Right? right. So part of this thing is, as we've been talking about, it's the moral question. Mm-hmm. If, you know, should I kill somebody because they're going to get two hundred thousand dollars now? I mean, what what a what a difference what seventeen a years makes, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, deal. So <laughs> at, at the end of this movie, Mr. Stewart comes back and he says, "You know, here's your money. You can count it if you want. I'm going to take the box." Mm-hmm. And she asks, well, "What are you going to do with it?" I'm going to give it to someone else. Someone else that doesn't know you yeah that you don't know and so here you have these people that are not <laughs> the kindest or nicest people mm-hmm. no. and now you're you're kind of left with this well what if it's them 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what if we kill a chain smoking woman who's really abusive to her husband? Or right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what if what if it's what if we kill a husband? And I'm gonna make a judgment here, right? Who isn't strong enough to stop his wife from pushing a button and killing somebody? Yeah, and, and that's right. the the stinger ending on that episode is what what I've always remembered. Mm-hmm. And I like at the at the end it does the classic kind of '80s zoom in, don 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 kind of thing. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, so just kind of ends on the on the downer there. It notably it ends without us ever knowing who died. No, no, yeah. just like in. Uh, oh yeah, okay. In the original right, short story, right. yeah, yeah. you know who died. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. could see another spin on this, mm-hmm. almost like this adaptation, where they don't push the button and they make the moral choice. Right. Mm-hmm. But because you're in the Twilight Zone, Mister Stewart is going to take it and give it to someone who doesn't know you. Right. Yeah, that would have been another interesting way to keep it, keep the ending the same, but mm-hmm. make it have a different resonance was, well, crap, at least we could have had the 200K. <laughs> well, one of them's going to get the 200K. Right. Right? Yeah. Well, no, not if they didn't push the button. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I will say, I don't love the perfectly, totally canonical things, but if they had kept it this way, it, it still would have been a good episode. Mm-hmm. And it, it would have worked, especially on the way they set up the dynamic between the couple. You could totally mm-hmm. see that, you know, did you really know your husband? Yeah. In a way, if you knew the story yeah. and you were watching this, you were expecting a certain ending. And so you yeah. actually got a right. double twist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you, <laughs> you know, you, uh, you're not a fan of a canonical adaptation. Mm-hmm. You hadn't read the story before. When you read the story, what was your impression of it compared to what you remembered from the Twilight Zone episode? Well, I mean, I liked both. So, and, and I don't know what the reverse would have been if I had read the story first and then watched the episode, mm-hmm. um, which you did, right? You, you yeah, read I went one, two, three. Okay. In, in uh, temporal order. Okay. So I did not. What did you uh-huh. think of the change ending? Do you hate it the way Matheson does, or do you? Do you it's a different stinger ending. It's a different stinger. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to see Mayor Winningham's yeah. reaction to finding out that she'd killed her husband. Mm-hmm. Probably <laughs> just light up another cigarette. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. The I'm question, not right? sure she would have cared. <laughs> yeah, that, she didn't have a lot of use for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It makes you wonder, right? So if you if you have a moral failing and then you go through the consequences of it. Mm-hmm. You expect people to learn and grow, right? Uh That's the natural thing. That doesn't always happen. I want to talk about a couple of other adaptations because uh, there is a radio play that's called The Chinaman Button. And, (laughs) you know, (laughs) racist title aside, (laughs) um, it's it's a very different take on the story. Very different. And and so I really enjoyed the way that they did it because they made it a little more... I'm not even going to talk anymore about it, but it's quite different. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say, did they link it to a nuclear bomb or something? No, no, no. They, <laughs> the core of the story is the same okay. in, in terms of the, the presentation of the of the making a decision, getting a financial windfall, and someone dying. Why the title, though? I because really want to know. It's, it's a nod back to the story, what if it's an old peasant in China? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. okay. And... And so in Interesting. in the radio play, it's there's this sort of legend of of well, what about this this classic moral mm-hmm. question of if you pushed a button and it killed an old guy in China, yeah. and you got money for it, would you, you know, is would that be wrong? Right. right. And okay. so they use that in in a business setting, and it's 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 definitely worth listening to, and it's about forty minutes long. It's from CBS Radio Theater. Hmm. Um, oh, neat. I'll, I'll okay. put a link to the video I found uh, on YouTube. And it's uh, yeah, we're, we're checking out. And then there's a funnier die uh, that's it's it's only <laughs> what two and a half minutes long, but it's very funny, and I, I yeah. won't I won't spoil that one at all. Um, so that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a nod. I should have researched this so I could talk about it more fluently. Um, the monkey's paw. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is adapted. Yeah, several times actually. I think there's four or five film versions of that. Right. Anything else? 
to uh, a movie town? Twilight Zone. It's very melodramatic. Yes. It's very, very right. 80s. Um, <laughs> extremely over the top, but a lot of fun. Yeah. I was bummed that the, you know, we caught it on YouTube because you can't find those yeah. episodes easily at all anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, our library has those DVDs. We just haven't, we didn't get them in time. Yeah. But. I would have liked to have heard the Twilight Zone voiceover that leads into it and exits. I don't know if there was one. I, there, there were not always the voiceover, I don't think, for the 80s, but I'm, okay. not, I'm not totally sure. Well, since it was 20 minutes long, it was the majority of the half-hour episode, so. Oh, I thought no, the 80s ones were an hour, and it was usually two things. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it was the whole hour. At least I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but how about we move on to 2009 <laughs> and The Box, directed by Richard Kelly. Okay. Uh, of written Donnie by Darko. Richard Kelly. Yeah, written by, uh, yeah, adapted by Richard Kelly, right? Who famous for Donnie Darko mm-hmm. and uh, stars Frank Langella and Cameron Diaz, who always reminds me of Japan, <laughs> which <laughs> because when we went to Japan in 2000, um, there's there's a high priority on learning English in Japan because you know language of commerce kind of right. thing, and so all around Tokyo we saw these signs with Cameron Diaz on them advertising this English language school. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh nice. So, yep. Yeah, like on the, on the subways, That's on funny. the trains, in the train station, all around town. Wow. Um, so, um, and uh, Cyclops from X-Men, right. James Marston. It uh, it has a 5.6 on IMDb and on Rotten Tomatoes it's 43% from critics and 24% Eesh. from audiences. Oof. Yeah, I Oof. understand so, that. Yep. It's, yeah. it's a work. <laughs> it had a $30 million budget which <laughs> looks about right um, when when I think of the the effects and that kind of stuff. Made about 33 million. So, yeah. so okay. not a complete Somewhat, bomb but right. not really successful no, either. No, made your money back, which is not well, a guarantee. Yeah. Doesn't include your marketing budget. Production budget was 30 million. Uh, Didn't include the marketing. So right. so lost money for the studio, I'm sure. Right. In theaters for a week. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank yeah. So I really appreciated the fact that as we watched this, Seth stopped the movie at one point and checked the time. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. And we've talked about know. adapting things from short stories into longer form presentations <laughs> yeah. in the past. And usually what you do is you add backstory or post story. Yes. And mm-hmm. that's exactly the way this movie operates. Yeah. In the first, but not equally. Not equally. In the first right. 30 minutes, you get a little bit of preparatory backstory for what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and you get the entire short story of the button, and then there's an hour and a half yeah. of yeah. everything after that, yeah. of all the consequences of pushing the button. Mm-hmm. And they're all bad. Right. It's yeah. bad. Yeah, I think yeah. even at first glance, we're like, these people are terrible candidates to try and bribe. Right. Yeah, they've got a nice house, dude drives right? a Corvette. It's set in 1976 for some reason. Yeah. Um, probably yeah, just to avoid cell phones. I don't really understand the time frame, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe that. I mean, I, I mean, it, I it had to do with the Viking missions to uh-huh. Mars. You know, they're, they're, that but did it could have been modern day and have missions to Mars? It, I know. It, it, <laughs> the problem with this movie is, I don't like this movie. It's not good. Um, <laughs> it, it has some stuff that I like. But yeah. it's not very coherent. And no, you, no. Can do, you can do incoherent and have it work. Um, Donnie Darko isn't super coherent. You know, you, right. it takes a couple times watching it to go, oh, I see what he did there. That's clever, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you can get it the first time. Kind of like, you know, anything with some twists in it. You're mm-hmm. gonna, your mileage may vary. And sometimes on a rewatch, you'll go, right. okay, I see what happened there. I have no desire to watch this movie again. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I would almost watch it again to try and pick up some of the things that I didn't get on the first watching. Okay. Like um, the creepy kid? Yeah, like creepy kid. Giving us yeah. the peace sign. Yeah. Which I thought was a... a Victory Not, sign. Nod to, uh, no, I thought it was a nod to Donnie Darko and the rabbit. But. Oh, huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, 2001 is not completely coherent. A lot of things are left up, left up to the interpretation of yeah. the watcher. Ambiguous is one thing. Incoherent is another. Oh. Okay, so what did you, mm. what did you find incoherent? I, I don't know. It just didn't feel like it was all there. Like it was all totally baked. Um, it definitely went into left field at the end, right? And this is one thing that I like in a short story adaptation. I like the, the short story invites you to ask a question. Who's in charge of the box? Where mm-hmm. did the box come from? Yeah. This movie explores that. I just don't really love the way it explores it or, or how long it takes to get to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, because like you said, the first 30 minutes is perfectly serviceable. It sets up the situation of the couple says why they might be vulnerable to being essentially bribed. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's horribly, horribly disfigured Cameron Diaz. <laughs> uh, she has a damaged foot. Right. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't get to be an astronaut. He, right. And for some reason they stopped paying tuition which affects right. her somehow, but what she never tells her husband on camera. Well, she teaches at a private school. Her son goes to that private school. It was for the son. Yeah. And they, so they had, to, oh. th- there was a, you know, you got, uh, you they got tuition, a tuition discount. If right. you were, yeah. I think it was supposed to be a pile up of things. It just was not, this is part of the incoherency. Yeah. They didn't really neatly tie those things together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, that kind of fell apart. Yeah. I mean, it might work better on a rewatch because you, you get that sort of out Maybe. of left field, the dude's getting a call that his daughter's been kidnapped and they're like, we've never seen this character before. It yeah, that was, that was out of nowhere too. At first yeah. I thought it was the dude that he was riding on the, the go-kart with in, at NASA. And I thought that would make sense. It's a character we've met before. Oh, but yeah. It was some brand new dude that we'd never met before. Yeah. Um, I don't know why you make that decision, why you don't have it somebody yeah. that he previously yeah. had a relationship with. Um, because then, you know, yeah. the moment they push the button there's this murder that happens, which you can, on reflection, you can be like, okay, that was a result of them pushing it. But it was really a result of that guy's wife pushing it. Yeah. So. And they never really did finish fleshing out like where it came from. The box. No, no, I mean, they don't, there's some, there's some power. uh, Yeah. I will, I will mention uh, Basil Hoffman who played Mr. Stewart in the Twilight Zone episode plays the headmaster at the school. Steward. Is it D? Um, are you British? <laughs> no, He's got a, a percussive D. It's just boy oh, talks. Fair enough. He right. was voiced. I voiced it. <laughs> my my kindergarten teacher was Mrs. Stewart. So uh, with a D. With a D. But, okay. Yeah. So it turns out that Mr. Stewart in this one has some kind of possession that's happened to him, and it's right. all somehow related to the Viking mission. Yeah. Somehow. Well, Megatron was on Mars. <laughs> oh, that's, he was on Cybertron. Right. Yes. Oh, that was Dark Side of the Moon. That's what it was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just it just goes out there yeah. trying to explain more about the character of Stewart and the people in charge of the box and why they're doing it yeah. and how the NSA is really behind it all. Right. Right. And yeah, I don't know what what it had to do with like Mars though coming back. No clue. I don't know. Yeah, they they like tried to elude to some transmission, but like well, that's kind of what I guess it thought right? happened was yeah he was struck by lightning, had died at the same time the transmission was going on, and maybe like there was a spirit piggybacking on the transmission, and then it possessed his body and right. took over, and now oh. he's telepathic. And, and then it leans over towards the <laughs> day the earth stood still kind of stuff. We're watching you, we're testing you, trying to figure out if you're right. worth keeping. Yeah, because if you fail the test, we're going to hasten your extinction. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and so there's more than one moral dilemma in this. So that was kind of interesting, because you have the moral dilemma of, are you going to push this button and get the money, which is now a million dollars? Yeah. In 1976, 
dollars. I mean, I'd take a million now. I'm not going to lie. No, yeah. it's a phenomenal amount of money in 1976. Yeah. <laughs> but so there's that, and that's that's the first question that they answer. And you know, she pushes the button just kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, and it is more of a family decision, right? They have a, they have a discussion about it, and then she mm-hmm. just kind of on an impulse pushes it. I liked the. The button box looked very similar to in the Twilight Zone. I like that. Yeah, the button was a, nice was a little different. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that it stayed down and then slowly kind of came back up. It was kind of creepy. But um, the second dilemma is later in the movie, right? Where their son save your has wife been or struck. Save your kid. Yeah, is is now. Well, what what was it? He was. Um, I'd have shot the kid. Blind, and deaf. <laughs> blind and deaf. That's right, and. So you can either take the million dollars, keep the million dollars, enjoy it, but your son is maimed, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he will never hear your voice or see your face again. Mm-hmm. Or you take this gun with one bullet in it, and you shoot your wife in the heart, and your son will recover. But, of course, you'll go to prison for murdering your wife, right. but we'll put the money into a trust for you. But he's not actually going to prison, yeah. right? He's being taken care of. Well, we don't know. But that's right. I he gets driven off by, you know, right. government. The NSA. Yeah. yeah. He probably becomes an employee. That's right. my guess. Yeah. I would have liked to know what happened if he had shot Steward. <laughs> right. I assumed that's what was going to happen because yeah. I thought I thought there's no way a big budget movie like this is going to have a downer ending right. like this. So on one hand, I do like a downer ending. Just didn't like this one. Yeah. So. On the other hand, this was the last movie he wrote in direct. <laughs> right. Richard yeah. Kelly. He produced three more that year. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Did they ever not come out? Uh, I think they came out. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I don't remember their names. Right, we could look them up. But I, I skipped. So, so back to what I was, I guess, saying a second ago, where you know the transmissions coincided with the lightning killing him, allowing him to be possessed, maybe or something. I'm just pulling it in my ass. I don't know what that. I assume that's what was trying to communicate. That's what like that's where my head went. But they never actually like said anything about. They never tied anything together. And back to his yeah. Seth's incoherency comment. And so that's why I was hoping they were going to shoot him because he kept going, oh, I'm not the only one, you know, like I people, I work for people too. And oh, I, call, I call BS on that. Right. Oh, you think he was the man? Well, yeah, because, well, they had to have this timing of sequence, uh, timing of things to happen with the transmission and lightning and him dying to be, to be possessed and become mm-hmm. what he's, what he is. That doesn't just happen. So if you right. kill him, there's going to be a time where I don't care who he works for. There's, there's nobody to fulfill his position. We didn't see anybody else doing what he was doing out in the entire movie. Yeah, he was the one right? delivering the boxes. He was the one delivering we, the boxes, doing the... Th- uh, but there were all the employees. And I mean all, because think about yeah. it. At one point, the entire room of that library, all yeah, the but tables, what were they doing? Yeah. They were, they were being... I mean, well, in theory, they were being controlled by him, right? Right. Well, and there's the bit from the crazy dude in the car before they get hit by the snowplow. Right. Right. Saying uh, the nosebleeds are a sign that, you know, his influence is... His influence. ...is breakable. Right. Right. And oh well, okay. So that was alluding to his influence, right? Steward's right. influence, mm-hmm. not any power above him. Yeah. So that, that makes me wonder. I think he was just calling BS. With I work, yeah. I work for somebody, which I don't think he does. I'm curious if they workshop more than one ending for it. And if one of them was yeah. he blows Steward away, and all of a sudden everybody wakes up, everybody right. snaps out of it. Yeah, that's kind of what that's that's where I was thinking. And the kid gets his sight, which I think would have been cool if they got, if they yeah. killed him and bam. The, the thing about the supernatural aspect of the so that he isn't the man mm-hmm. comes to to me it comes from the fact that. The button has is not connected to anything. Right. But every time you press the button, the next couple right. fulfills moral dilemma number two. And that happens twice. We're yeah. assuming that, but but I think I think that's right. Right? Because you, you have the, the woman pushing it at the end right before right. Cameron right. Diaz is. Yeah. Well, just like you yeah. know, when, when she pressed the button, then crazy guy from the end yeah. mm-hmm. shoots his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, that gets into a whole free will idea, right? Yeah. But well maybe after you made your first choice, everything else is downhill. 
Maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. If once what, you start down if? the dark path. Forever will it dominate your destiny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Yoda. Yep. So let's talk about some of the creepy. Because um, oh. there's, there's a oh, creepy yeah. kid who, who I knew from the big short, who was one of the, one of the small uh, investor oh, yeah. guys. Yeah, that's right. Um, the student who's also the waiter. Yeah, the student who's also the waiter, who gives him the, the high sign, huh. you know. Um, he, he's yeah. very effectively creepy. The, the whole white elephant part yes. was super creepy. Um, I mean, it wasn't a white elephant. It was a gift exchange thing. But. Yeah. yeah. I think that, by the way, I think that was gift number two as well. Oh, really? Because I saw a one and a three, and I was looking for a two to see it, and it wasn't there. Ah. Okay. But that box, the box he picks is exactly like the box that mm-hmm. Mr. Stewart drops off at the front door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, you know, I don't mind a creepy movie sometimes. And like, I, it reminded me a little bit of the movie The Forgotten uh, with um, Liam Neeson and Julianne Moore. Mm. It, it's, it's a, you know, aliens testing us, doing right. things with us, manipulating our memories to, to make us forget our children kind of thing. Um, well. And I like that kind of concept, right? Sorry, spoilers for the end of that eh. movie. Um, <laughs> it's uh, not adapted. You'll never what's see that it. guy's yeah. name? Linus something. Um, Roach? Linus Roach, yeah. He, he plays that guy. The guy who plays uh, Bruce Wayne's father. plays Thomas Wayne in, uh, in Batman Begins. Um, ah. he's, he's in that one. That's, it's, it's an interesting movie. And, you know, so I, I dig that kind of thing. And the whole, you know, the library scene where, where he comes oh. to the lady who says, it's the Library of California. You can check out anytime you want. You can never leave. <laughs> yes. Um, Awesome. And makes him choose between the the three gates, right? And that ties back into the you know the 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 piece the piece sign did it mean number two? Yeah. Um, Although, did he really pick the right one? Right. That's the other question. Right. And this creepy kid, right? Was he trying to help him out? Was he was being controlled when he was being creepy? Yeah. Well, and everyone that you think is helping them actually directs them to be further. You know, they they went to the library where mm-hmm. she gets kidnapped and he goes through has the gate test, right? Um, which was in the manual, which was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, mm-hmm. crazy. And why did they need the lunar lander? They never t- said why. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if if you're going to suborn parts of the U.S. government, you know, NASA makes sense as one of the that you would do that with, and the NSA is another. You know, be handy. But um, yeah, like I said, coherency problem. I'm not yep. totally sure. Yep. everything <laughs> worked. Yeah, right. It's not a coincidence that NASA's only one letter away from NSA. Ooh. Ooh, I didn't know that. I did like when he's driving Britta home, Britta from Community. Um, yeah. who, who, what was her name? In the Dana. Dana, yeah. Uh, Sarah her Matthews. Her real name was Sarah. Dana Sarah. And, and she's, well, I think it's funny, it's Sarah Matthews. <laughs> right. And she says, you've got blood on your hands, you know, which is obviously, there's a double meaning in that. Right, right. And then, uh, what is someone pushing your buttons? It's like her consciousness <laughs> is trying to break through. Um no, I think that's the part where she was controlled. And then toward the end, when she gets the nosebleed. Right. I guess that's, she's right. trying to fight back. Yeah. So at what point was that kid, the creepy kid controlled? I don't oh, know. the whole time. Later. The, I think the whole so time. So you think he was controlled at a point where he coerced Cameron Diaz into revealing her foot? That was weird. Because that, that, that was just odd. Herself, right? She did. Do you yeah. ever know a, a teacher that would have responded to a request oh, from a student no. like that? No. Not at all. I didn't, I totally didn't expect her to do it. No. No. Well, I figured it was just a plot device to. For us to see her foot, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, as upsetting that as the as losing the tuition was, and maybe him not having a job, her not being able to get her surgery, right? That's a mm-hmm. real thing. But they only brought that in at the end, yeah. And yeah. he made the prosthetic, which worked perfectly and enabled her to walk and walk without a limp and dance. And so, yeah, it all kinds of that all kind of just fell apart for me. There, it's yeah. like so. Right. What's the motivation? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 
Yeah, and the whole the glimpse of the afterlife thing, I didn't, I just, I didn't get it. I wasn't really paying attention to when they were talking on the dance floor and he was relating his experience. And I'm like, I don't care at this point. I don't care. The movie needs to be over. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I still an hour left. You stopped it at half an hour in <laughs> yeah. when we had seen the entirety of the short story. Yes. Yep. You also stopped it at half an hour till, and you were like, right. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, it's not done yet. <laughs> yeah. I did like the uh, the dialogue. You know, why a box, sir? And he's like, well, you, your house is a box. Your car is a box. With you wheels. Know, you, you, you sit down and you put meals into a box and you sit in front of a box to be entertained. And then eventually you're right. in another box to, at the end of your life. And uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that was kind of a, a fun villain speech. But yeah, you sly dog, you got me monologuing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, at some point, there were so many nosebleeds. I was just like... Oprah's out there handing out nosebleeds. Nosebleeds for everyone. Nosebleeds. <laughs> it was trippy. It, it, it was, was entertaining. Mm-hmm. It went for something. Yeah. Uh, I'm just you know, your mileage may vary on if what it went for works for you. Right. It didn't now, really work for me. Now tell me that you couldn't take that movie and cut it down to 70 minutes and yeah. make it incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally agreed. I mean, with the the moral dilemma at the end, with the the child being struck blind and deaf you know that's you have to decide who, who you're going to prioritize and the mom of course wants to sacrifice herself for the sake of her son but right. she doesn't have that option and and it's a very different thing to say let me sacrifice for my, myself for my son and for the husband to say okay you let me kill you to sacrifice you for, <laughs> for our son right so, yeah it makes you wonder so you know in the for the for the box there is the correct moral decision to make don't push the button. Yeah. And the, yeah. the one thing that we we should have mentioned is you only have 24 hours for this deal in this story. Right. So all they had to do was wait for 24 right. hours. Mm-hmm. And they waited approximately 12, maybe 14. Yeah. James yeah. would push the button. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and then forget about it. See, well, that's the, that's the other problem with the, the movie is that they, they pushed the button and then didn't accept the fact they pushed the button. If they just accepted the fact they pushed the button, Move they'd on. have been all right. Mm. Movie, movie's over. I'm sorry. The button has been pushed. Yeah, exactly. Movie's yes. over. <laughs> yeah well and they were only picking certain kinds of people to test as well yeah people under the age of 40 with a single child right and just white people we never saw them were there any <laughs> people of true. color in this whole movie <laughs> i don't think so it's a pretty white movie no no there was outside the uh, christmas party there was a black woman smoking on the porch okay classic tokenism yep no, i mean maybe it's a, a critique on on white society right yeah, interesting. You know, I, I think there is a good movie in there, like you said, if you, mm-hmm. if you cut it down to 80 minutes, maybe, um, because it was an hour 55. I think they maybe just needed to pick something to explore and then go do that instead of trying to explore yeah. the number of things they did and not tie them together Yeah, coherently. Yeah. So, yeah. final thoughts? This was the, like I said, this was the last movie he wrote and directed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, which is a shame. I mean, he makes these incredibly uh, visually interesting, mm-hmm. crazy kind of plot mm-hmm. kind of things. I would love to see what he does now, yeah. 12 years later. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't know if there's something going on with him personally or if it was a result of these movies. Because um, Donnie want, Darko, I don't think, did an amazing thing. It makes me want to go watch, rewatch Donnie Darko. Yeah. It, I mean, it's more <laughs> of a cult movie. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. It's for sure a cult classic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very polarizing. People are like, ah, that movie sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. So. Should we rank them? I think we should rank them. So, you know, I, I enjoyed the Twilight Zone episode, mm-hmm. and the change. <laughs> but, but I think just to keep it me and to, to inflate my statistics, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go um, uh, short story Twilight Zone movie. Okay. I'm sorry. The data from this episode has been lost. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a call on this one because I really like the twist. 
On the yeah. short story. Yeah. Did not see that one coming. So, you know, I have, I have said that this is kind of my all-time most remembered mm-hmm. episode of The Twilight Zone. But watching it back, it's so over the top in the performances <laughs> and the directing and, and everything. Well, that, yeah, I guess that, uh, I meant to ask you earlier and I forgot. Yeah. But was, was the short story, not short story, was The Twilight Zone also canon for you, I guess, since you had seen it first? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In a, in a way, but it didn't bother me. Although you don't really care about that. That's more a Colin no. thing. Yeah, I don't. Colin was the Twilight Zone episode canon for you. <laughs> I know you read it. You, you said he said everything in order. Short story first. Yeah, okay. He said he may have seen the, the Twilight right, Zone. Right, right. But long story short, I agree with you guys. I, yeah. I think I like the the short story the best, and then the Twilight Zone episode and the the nice. movie. Um, but, wow. You know, the Twilight Zone episode just didn't hold up very well. That's the problem. Mm, Where something right. like murder, uh, not murder, <laughs> nightmare at uh, twenty thousand feet. You know. That's just a classic. Oh, I like that one. I like Shatter's performance. Yeah. yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah. Talk about over the top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's lots of those old episodes. It was just would, so entertaining, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah. Very much. Yeah. So. And he's kind of an over a top character. So. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and, you, and you dig people that wear pajamas. Oh, yeah. Right? Definitely. <laughs> yes. For I'm, sure. I'm going to have to post a picture of James in his Spider Man onesie lounge where. Hey, you got me up early for this. Right. I'm wearing the PJs. <laughs> we're recording at. Hey, I give you breakfast. <laughs> it's um, true. It's true. I, we're recording at my house. And so normally, you know, James can just drag himself out of bed and come downstairs and we watch a movie and then right. and record the episode where I made him come <laughs> over to my house, but he brought morning at James's house with him. So, <laughs> okay. Um, we want to talk about what we want to do next because we're recording this one in September and next month is October. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we do something spooky ish. Yep. So my idea sometimes was sometimes you do something you might not see at all. Right. Yes. Okay. There you go. Uh, understood. Got it. understood. Right. I'm with you. Um, because we've been talking about doing H.G. Wells' The Invisible Man. It's a book that I've read before. Uh, there was a, that yeah. summer where I read the seven Michael Crichton books. There was also a shelf full of H.G. Wells books that I read. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. And, uh, <laughs> so it's one that I could take back in on audio. You mentioned another oh, cool. adaptation of it. Yes, I have the Alien Voices adaptation of it. Nice. With the Star Trek people. Yes. Yeah. That's all that Alien neat. Voices. Yeah. And uh, there's a couple... There's a Claude Rains adaptation that's, I think, a pretty straight up, straight up adaptation. Mm-hmm. The most the famous one, pro- yeah. undoubtedly. Yeah, one of the Universal Monster movies, essentially. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's several other movies that are at least adjacent to it. There's a recent movie called The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss in it. So was was the book credited in that movie? I don't remember. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know. I mean, it, it seemed said. like it would be, but I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe, maybe. I always kind of thought Hollow Man was an adaptation, too. But right, and that's the other one. Because I had seen the the... Claude Rains one as well before Hollow Man and I thought they were together as okay actually I kind of thought Hollow Man was a remake because I wasn't aware that Hollow Man was a book or Invisible Man was a book yet okay. at that point yeah so anyhow like you mentioned I hadn't yeah. gotten to Hollow Man but we can we can do that one as well have we ever done Kevin Bacon I don't think we have no whoa yeah, yeah I'm sure so. we're within six degrees though probably <laughs> yeah so yeah we can do that for Halloween and then yeah. there's another thing that uh, was, a, I can't remember, it was a recently recently announced adaptation that you were talking about? It's going to be released next month in October. Okay. It's an adaptation of a Robert Silverberg story. Right, the and time one. The time. Yeah, I have to look up the name because I just completely blanked on it being old. And You posted about it on Facebook the other day. Needle in a time stack. Needle in a time Needle stack. Needle in a time <laughs> stack. Uh, yeah, it's a time travel love story. Whoa. Yeah. So, short story. Uh, new movie is it coming out on on demand? Is it going to be in theaters? Both, I believe. Okay, so huh. my proposal is we in the near term do the Invisible Man thing, and then we can possibly go see the new movie for November. 
Of course, there's also Dune in there. So maybe maybe we do a mm-hmm. special episode for that just because it's a, is picking up a piece of a previous episode. Well, I, I thought that, yeah, right. that Dune was going to be like Jurassic World, Lost World. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll go watch the movie and then run out to somebody's van and uh, podcast right there. Okay. <laughs> Although I've been saying I want to watch the movie and then come back and watch it on HBO, HBO Max just to see it twice. But we'll see. Okay. Depends on how the theater experience goes. You, you, know, you never know. We might not have theaters. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. Uh, we, that is true. We get to. Hey, did you see the the um, you know people not wearing masks during Dune? People are going to be like he wastes the, the water of the siege. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyhow, that's some of our plans going forward. Uh, I think that's about it, though. About wrapped. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. We'll leave you with the payment pounder's blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the book always fall open to where you left off. Okay. It's not, it's not, I'm totally not where I thought you were going to go with that. Oh, where, where was I going to go with it? I thought you were going to say, may the book not fall on a box with a button on it. Right. <laughs> That's what the dome is for. You can't have accidental. Right, right. You can't have accidentally, oh, accidental button I, I was going to say, the most relatable <laughs> part of the Twilight Zone episode is when she's just opening it, closing it, opening it, closing it, opening it, closing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bye, everybody. If once what, you start down if? the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Yoda. Yep. You should just drop in that quote. <laughs> I should. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Okay. Linus Roach, yeah. He, he plays that guy. The guy who plays uh, Bruce Wayne's, uh, I guess, what's... Father. Yeah, what is his name? Martha. <laughs> uh, and and who's, 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 who's the dad? Thomas. Thomas, Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne. Yes. Um,